at the crossroads of movies and comics. Two mediums meet, and two men will venture down an untrodden path on a trivial, absurdly inane quest to read all of the movies that comics deem worthy of print. A chronicling of comic book adaptations of movies. Welcome to Movies as Comics. And now, your hosts. All right. All right. Let's get to it. Nice. Yeah, let's get to reading some movies, right? <laughs> That's what we do here. Um, hi, everybody. I'm Ozzy, and with me, as always, is Henry from Black Market Comics. And Howdy, everybody. This, this is Movies as Comics, the show where we read and review comic book adaptations of movies not the other way around we're not talking about the mcu or anything like that by the way if you want that go search podcast you'll find plenty of good shows plenty plenty yeah. on the mcu uh, by the way i just want to give a shout out to one that i personally enjoy it's called marvel versus marvel uh, it's a good show oh. where like two hosts one guy is really into the comic side of it and one guy's into the movie side of it and they talk about uh, the MCU and stuff, and that's a good show. So, uh, but, but by the oh, way, you know, but but go look. You know, there are a hundred shows like that. So, um, if you want that, that's a different thing. We're doing the opposite. We're <laughs> we're um, looking at comics that have been adapted from movies on movies as comics, and uh, we've been through some fun titles in the past. Uh, Alien, we covered. Just what else have we covered? We covered Bill and Ted's adventure which was real fun big was a lot of fun yeah and we've got a lot more to come we're gonna we're gonna start getting going on these um a little more frequently i hope yeah and um this episode we've got little shop of horrors to look forward to Mm. little shop of horrors brought to you by the broccoli industry the good (laughs) folks in big broccoli shout out is that so yeah did they get (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. i got a bushel Is payment for that name drop. Cool. Let's give you the, the give you the give you the farts, man. The broccoli farts are no joke. You know what I'm saying? But they're good for your eyes. Uh, Vitamin C. You've been lied to. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, sure. I'm sure. Big, big broccoli is always green veggies. You know, are good. Green veggies are good for you, unless there's some kind of weird alien pod plant that was sent from outer space that. Um, wants to take over the world and kill everybody, then the green veggies are not good for you in this case. Oh, man, I'm so jazzed for this. I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag right now. Like, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to, like, hide my opinion until later or anything. I Mm -hmm. fucking love this movie. I love Frank Oz. I love Rick Moranis. I love everybody involved in the making of this movie. The story behind the making of the movie, just what they achieved is incredible. Just everything about this is just fucking top notch. It's it's one of it's also one of those movies that I think like can never be done again. You know what I mean? Like who framed Roger Rabbit or something? Well, I don't know about who framed Roger Rabbit now that Disney owns everybody. Uh, they're not going <laughs> to with Rat, there's Rat, three Rat. entertainment companies now uh discovery's oh. right about to buy out warner brothers and then it's only a matter of time before disney oh. picks up discovery oh fuck i didn't know anything and it's, about it's like that. a whole seven degree as of uh separation with disney less than seven these days right right <laughs> a lot less than seven so who yeah. knows 
knows? Maybe um maybe we will get a little Shop of Horrors remake. I I would probably hate it though. Yeah, well, you know, there actually have been talks of over the last couple decades of people trying to remake Little Shop of Horrors. Um like um they tried to remake the musical and then like in 2017 or 16 or 17 uh the filmmaker behind the wrong turn movies uh-huh i remember that announced that announced that he was going to make a version not a musical but like a horror movie take on it these all got shelved wow. and for different reasons but there have been like three attempts at a revival for this over over wow. the years there was one was by they were trying to do a musical and it was basically like the guy that got together like Riverdale and Sabrina the Teenage Witch and like all those kinds of things. So like yeah, that doesn't sound very good to me. Don't I don't want a YA version of Little Shop of Horrors with a lot of beautiful people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> I don't need that. Yeah. Um, this this movie is as good today as it was in 1986 when it came out you could get just as much you don't need to remake this is what i'm saying it's, it's timeless as, it's timeless right absolutely oh man i'm gonna i could go on and on about this movie and i think that's what we're gonna do right here in the head of this show is just sort of like gush about this movie a little bit and talk about the movie before we get into the comic book before we get into the comic book by dc comics which we've got right here in front of us the official adaptation of the movie um we're just gonna talk about this this movie a little bit right yeah and i thought to get us um in the spirit, let's let's um, just look at the trailer real quick. You want to do that? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Can we get into it? Yeah, we're going to do that right now. Here we go. It all began this little show. The music. That animatronic. That's all animatronics. There's no CG. Oh, my God. You know, I still go downtown uh, in the city that I live in, and there's buildings with that ceiling. Really? Yeah. Weird. <laughs> She's so funny. I love Who is her. this? Ellen Green. Ellen Green. Oh, oh, I love it. So good. Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Sure, I'm slow. Candy bar, candy bar, and a plan. Oh, oh. act with that giant ass puppet. Yes, Excuse me, what? That's Vincent Gardini with special guest appearances by Steve Martin, John Candy, and Bill. It's your professionalism that I respect. Little Shop of Horrors. All right, who's who's no longer with us? Getting started. Grammarly. Oh, whoa! Fuck you, Grammarly. I don't. Okay. Wow. Ellen Green is seventy-two years old. Sponsored by Grammarly. <laughs> we, we did not do commercials for them. Fuck you. <laughs> Ellen Green, you said 72 years old? 72 years old, born in oh, 1951. My, around. 
My, my, my. How old is Rick Moranis these days? He's got to be in his 70s. What happened to his comeback? Where is he? He, he was, got hit in the face and that was it. Yeah, he got. He came out. He tried to make a comeback. He got punched in the face and then he went back into hiding. Who could blame oh, yeah. the fucking world? What the fuck? Yeah, he's 70. Yeah, that sounds about right. You know, if yeah. he wants to go ahead and retire, that's fine. You don't, you know what, Rick Moranis? Take it easy. Mm. You don't have to come back. Well, what happened with Rick Moranis is his wife died. Oh, yeah. He took time off because um, he wanted and he to. he had a family to raise. Yeah. yeah. And he, so he just stopped working because his wife died. Unexpe- I think, uh, I don't know what she was sick with, but it was early, you know, unexpected kind of thing. And wow. he wanted gotcha. to just take care of his kids and be a family man. I totally respect that. That's yeah, fine. Go for it. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, but it sucks that he didn't, uh, he wasn't able to come back. I know. Who yeah. knows? Maybe we could have had, there could have been so many more great Rick Moranis movies that, you know, we were kind of robbed of, quote unquote, maybe. I don't know. Uh, ah. So, yeah, last this movie, when did you first see this? Do you remember? Oh, it, it's it's another one of those there. I saw it when I was so young that I don't, I don't remember the first time. Me too. Yeah, I just over and over born again. into this movie. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it came out in 86. I was four years old or so. You know, yeah. so it's just been around my whole life. And I got to watch it at an early age. Um, so yeah. this, this movie has always been a big part of me, you know. <laughs> at the time, most of these guys were still on SNL, right? Mm, um, I mean, Martin, Steve no, Martin. Was. I don't think he was, dude. I don't really don't think he was. I think he was off of SNL by like 1980 or something like that. Rick Moranis was never on SNL, but he was an SCTV guy. Oh yeah, Canadian and yeah, Canadian, <laughs> right? And I don't know how long he was on that show, but um, at this point, I was already familiar with Rick Moranis from things like Louis Tully and Ghostbusters, um, Strange Brew, Strange Brew. Yeah, those guys. I was very familiar with Rick Moranis. I feel Ghostbusters is the first movie I really remember watching so i mean ghostbusters has been with me for longer than anything you know on vhs yeah i know what you're talking about. yeah um it was maybe like the first thing i ever fucking saw like on a screen <laughs> that's possible <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you know oh, yeah um so i was already familiar with rick moranis and that was a draw to me just seeing just seeing anything with Somebody in it that was in Ghostbusters drew me in as a mm-hmm. child. So um, and it had two Ghostbusters. There was a uh, Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and I was totally familiar with him as well. Mm-hmm. Steve Martin. Um, this was maybe the first thing I ever saw Steve Martin in. Really, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Steve Martin is one of those guys where I've known him. He's been a part of my entertainment. Yeah, I can remember. Probably at one year old, you saw him like with a fucking fake arrow through his head playing the banjo, <laughs> you know, doing some yeah. stand up bit or doing, doing the, or something. Wild and crazy guys thing. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, uh, no. Okay. I remember exactly. I think the first Steve Martin project was that I uh, watched was The Three Amigos. You yeah. know, he was born in Waco, Texas? Whoa. I didn't know, no, I didn't that. know that. Uh-uh. The fucker's seventy-eight years old too. I didn't know. I didn't know anything good ever came out of Waco, Texas. <laughs> oh, 
There's a song about that. Don't let me die in Waco because fuck Taylor. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I mean, these these Steve Martin is a national treasure. Like still working at seventy-eight. You've got Bill Murray, national treasure. Rick Moranis, national treasure. Protect these people at all costs. Huh? Yeah, we failed uh, John Shandy. Yeah, I know. We should have done something. Someone should have intervened. Man. And we didn't learn our lesson after that either, Chris Farley. Uh, you ever see Wagons East? Yeah, with uh, Matthew Perry. No. <laughs> R.I.P. Matthew Perry, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. R.I.P. Matthew Perry also. What did he know? Uh, what did he know that uh, got him Epstein? Is that what happened? Mm-hmm. Um, yikes. Let's not go down that road. We're trying to have a podcast. <laughs> Show right now, I think. All right, all right, uh, all right. Frank Oz is still around, though, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Frank Oz. Um, God, I mean, Frank Oz. If you don't know what he's been associated with, it's a ridiculous list of stuff. Muppets, oh. Star Wars. You know, he's fucking Yoda. Holy Yoda. shit! Yeah, uh, Fozzie Bear. Fozzie Bear. Oh my God. Yeah, and what about like the other live action movies that he's done, which is also kind of impressive. Um, some things that you might not realize, like uh, let's see, let's see, let's see if I can find a list. Uh-huh. He did Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, also. Mm-hmm. He directed fucking What About Bob? Oh, uh, I remember that. <laughs> I love that goddamn movie. I've seen it so many times. Uh-huh. It's so good. Um, he directed um some of the muppet movies like i think he directed muppets take manhattan yeah he directed the dark crystal oh i love that movie he directed bowfinger which is an underrated goddamn movie bowfinger it's a (laughs) really murphy steve martin yeah where he's like a fake actor you know yeah yeah he's putting together a fake movie yeah fake movie i feel like that's a very underrated movie he directed the score Oh, with, with um, and fucking Ed Norton. Wow, kind of fun movie. He he came back and directed that remake of the Stepford Wives with um with uh um what's her goddamn name Nicole Kidman. Oh, Matthew oh. Midler, Glenn Close, Chris Walken yeah. was in it. He's just directed some like big movies that like you might not realize actually. You know if you're if you're just considering like Muppets and shit like that. Yeah. Um. He was born in 1944, so he's like 150 years old or something. (laughs) If my math is correct, which it usually is. Often is, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just fucking Frank Oz. You know, it almost wasn't Frank Oz because the person who was getting this together, really, who had seen the off-Broadway musical and wanted to make it into a film, was David Geffen. Um, David Geffen. He's like the music producer, Geffen Records. Oh. Huge time producer. He's He owned, he created um, um, fucking Pixar with Steven uh-huh. Spielberg. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, who's the third guy? You know, they have, it's called uh, SKG. Um, Pixar SKG. Maybe you could look that up real quick. But, but SKG stands for Spielberg someone and geffen um uh-huh. who's who's the fucking other third guy uh i can't remember right now it's driving me crazy let me look it up real quick while you talk all right here's some a little bit of trivia 
Uh, as part of the film's promotion, the Audrey 2 plant was occasionally interviewed in character by the press. And at least one occasion, the interview concluded with Audrey 2 eating the interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. The other K, the, the other letter K is fucking Jeffrey Katzenberg. Oh, okay. So Stephen then. Jeffrey Katzenberg, David Geffen, they got DreamWorks picture together. I'm sorry, not Pixar, DreamWorks. So uh, Dreams, okay. In 1994. Thanks yeah. for Shrek. So, yeah, thank you. Um, so, um, man, have you ever seen the um, the early concepts of Shrek when Chris Farley was involved? Uh, didn't he do a, a voice acting for it too? And so there, there are completed scenes yeah. with him as as Shrek. Yes, absolutely. Not completed yeah, scenes. Yeah, but yeah. but they're out there. You could watch early test footage test of what footage, they yeah. were trying to do is Shrek um, with Chris Farley doing Shrek, which is fascinating as fuck. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah. Geff was trying to get this together. And originally he had Spielberg lined up as producer with fucking um, Martin Scorsese directing. Oh, Could wow. You <laughs> Could you imagine <laughs> what that would have been like? Like, uh-huh. I think it would have been so weird. Um, but eventually I don't, and I don't know how it happened. It went to Frank Oz. Probably because they were like, man, this big plant's going to have to be like this giant puppet. Giant Who do we puppet, know that has yeah. puppets? Right? And they're, they're like, Jim Henson. And Jim Henson's like, I'm too busy for that shit. Just, Frank! Frank, yeah. you busy? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, I, I just came across some little interesting tidbit, too. To date, to date, this is the only film in which Steve Martin and Bill Murray appear together. That can't be right, is it? Yeah. yeah. Is Bill Murray hard to work with? Well, I, I've, yeah, there are. <laughs> okay. You're being sarcastic. I get it. Picking up, yeah. Picking up what you're laying down. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, huh. Yeah, that probably has something to do with it. Yeah. Did you, yeah. have you seen the original Corman? Bill Murray. I'm so tired of like the oh. cult of Bill Murray. Uh-huh. I'm so fucking tired of that. Like you're really, he's just, right in the heart of it too. Really? He's just an asshole, man. And then he goes. Then he goes and shits all over his friend Harold Ramis for doing Ghostbusters too. You know, he was mad at him for that movie bombing, and he they actually kind of ruined their friendship almost. It was somewhere around and somewhere around the time of like Groundhog Day and Ghostbusters too. Like it almost ended their friendship because he was like, I knew we shouldn't have done Ghostbusters too. But then he Bill Murray goes off and does shit like fucking. Larger than life and Garfield. What the fuck, dude? Fuck you. Uh, anyway. Yeah, when I think Bill Murray flops, I think about larger than life and fucking Garfield. Yeah. Oh, the the fucking man who the what did he do? The spy who wasn't there. It, oh yeah, that was another something. one. But God damn it! Fuck you, Bill Murray. Same thing oh. with Chevy Chase. So fuck He's you, Chevy Chase. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I'm just tired of like the cult of Bill Murray that just puts him as some kind of like, I don't know, whatever. Anyway. So, um, yeah, they got Frank, Frank Oz. So have you ever seen, have you ever seen the original little shop of horrors? The Roger Uh, Corman, the Roger Corman. No, you haven't. Um, it's, it's worth a watch, man. Especially if you really like this movie, um, it's worth a watch and you could find it for free easily because it was a Roger Corman film. And he didn't think it was going to be anything important, so he never copyrighted. Oh, he pulled a George Romero on there? <laughs> copyrighted? Copywrote? He wrote? He never copywrote it. <laughs> and so it so, went into public 
it went into public domain like right away almost and all kinds of people have been like you know printing that on dvd colorized it It, yeah you could go watch it on tubi right now for free go for it that's what i'm gonna do um but i that's what i remember seeing it because of course i grew up with this version of the frank oz version um but it wasn't until much much later when uh with the advent of like dollar stores and dollar trees that you see how many of those CDs or DVDs were DVDs, were yeah, down, like a little cardboard sleeve with Jack yes. Nicholson's face all over it. Well, that was the thing. That was the thing that kind of brought it to popularity. Is they really leaned into the early Jack Nicholson role. That's what got me. Um, that's what grabbed my attention. Actually, it was like, oh, weird, Jack oh, Nicholson. Who is he in there? You've seen it. So Jack Nicholson is Bill Murray. Oh, cool. Okay. Hmm. He's he's the he's the Wilbur whatever the sadist or masochist the masochist yeah. that is it show yes masochist yeah yes that shows up at the dentist you know and he's like oh give it to me hard doctor you know that kind of mm-hmm. shit show it to me before yeah show it to me show it to me yeah and you know so Jack Nicholson was you know um, consistently working on Corman projects at that point already he'd done several things already you know. So and Roger Corman loved to um have his like kind of crew, you know, that right. he would hire right. yeah. and rehire. Yeah. All these guys do. To this day, James Gunn still hires his his brother. It's and then you know, besides right. the yeah. fact that it's 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 still like the you know, if you work successfully with somebody, you're gonna want to do it again. Yeah, yeah. And Rod um, and Dick Dick Miller is in the original. You know who Dick from? Miller is. You would know him because he's in like every single um joe dante film um he's in the gremlins you know the guy in the gremlins who's like yeah the fucking commies and shit yeah Uh, yeah 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 of course that's dick miller he was in that uh episode of amazing stories we just oh you're right yeah absolutely directed joe Dante. of course he's in that because he's in everything joe dante does just like sigourney Um, weavers and in all of garbage man garbage man and the burbs Oh, <laughs> cool! You're, That's right. Yeah, he was the garbage man. Yeah, because you're the garbage man. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, so you know that's Roger Corman's style, and the 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 reason that the movie even got made is because there was a set erected for another movie that they were making called Bucket of Blood, and they ha- weren't going to tear the set down immediately, and they were like. He was like, hey, like, um, how much longer is the set going to be up? And they're like, three more days. And he's like, can I shoot another movie there? And they're like, what, <laughs> in two days? And he's like, yeah. He's like, you can't shoot a movie in two days. He's like, fuck you. Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, like, he and a, and a producer and screenwriter got together, and they busted out a script. They got anyone they could involved. Like they even hired like local drunks. Like actually, they paid half the cast in booze <laughs> to make that movie. Like they just got winos together and paid them with wine to like be extras and do shit in the movie. Um, we got some Boone's Farm over here, <laughs> Wildberry. <laughs> okay, we'll do anything. We'll carry cameras, whatever. We'll be in the movie uh, as long as they just kept them sauced, which yeah. is pretty. Um, fucking, uh, so they went in and did it and accomplished it. They literally shot the movie in two days. They spent a week prior writing the script and getting it together. 
so this movie was from start to finish was like two weeks or something like that. Fucking crazy. Wow. That's Roger Corman for you, you yeah. know. Um, the story is pretty different, actually. It's pretty How different. So? Well, um, the, you know, all the characters are the same, but the things play out differently. Like, um, uh, yeah, you know, you know, just in a lot of different ways. Like the first, the first person that Seymour kills is like a bum, like a fucking railroad roving bum that he accidentally hits with a rock. That he throws and kills. He's like, oh, oh fuck wow. it. So he goes and feeds him to the plant. Um, everyone dies at the end. Seymour dies at the end. Uh, the whole thing is like the plant's killing people, but this like um, arborist or botanist society is going to show up from Southern California and they want to wait. As soon as the plant buds and opens up, they want to be there for it. And finally, it happens at the end. And when the plant buds and opens up, what you see inside of it are all the heads of the of the people that it's eaten over the movie, and they're like, oh, you know, it's just <laughs> different, different things happen. Uh-huh. Um, it's really, really low budget, and it shows, you know. Oh, there's also the story is like kind of told from the perspective of these detectives, sort of like Joe Friday and what's his name from Dragnet? From Dragnet, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like the drag. It's kind of like in a Dragnet style. It even starts out with like a narration like, I'm Joe, I'm Joe something. This is my beat. It's Skid Row, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, check it out, honestly. Check is it out. Is there a trailer? Let's watch a, let's watch a trailer. Yeah, I could bring that up, talk for a minute about stuff. All right, all right. Let's go through another one of these trivia points. Uh, Mushnik is the only main character in this movie who does not do any singing despite having singing parts in the musical stage. So, yeah, there's already differences hmm. between three different variations. Of- yeah, we'll talk more about the difference between the stage musical and this movie adaptation also. It had a, a budget of $25 million and, and that even surpassed the Aliens budget in 1986, which only had $18 million. Whoa, really? Yeah. It was shot in an adjacent stage at Pinewood Studios, probably. Was yeah. that Burbank? Yeah, I think the... Around this time, because for Frank Walker Wonder Hour coming up, we're getting into Rambo, and I was looking into Rambo, and I think oh. Rambo 2 at the time was the most expensive movie. When did Rambo 2 come out? Probably 88. Maybe. It was around that same time, like Rambo 2 had the record for the most expensive movie ever. 85. 85, okay. So, the, yeah, it wasn't... So, yeah, it sounds like uh, it had a big budget, but it wasn't the most expensive. That was Rambo 2 at the time, I think. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's what I need. Is all those Rambo movies? Damn, I, yeah, we'll are you finding them? Oh, come back! Yeah, yeah, I'm looking for. <laughs> oh no, I mean the Rambo movies. Have you found? Oh, Rambo yeah. no, uh, uh-uh. that's difficult. Anyway, let's go ahead and, and uh, explore this bag of trivia. Um, so, of course, Jim Henson and his company were involved. Uh, here's a little factoid: the puppeteers who designed and operated Aud- Audrey Two were veterans of the Jim Henson Company, and one of the operators was Brian Henson. <laughs> who's Jim Henson's son, yeah. Yeah, he's still very active with Muppets and puppetry and stuff like that. Um, Brian Henson worked big time on Labyrinth. He was the voice of Hoggle. Oh, cool. Yeah, and he puppeted Hoggle, I think. Uh, he did a lot of that work. But yeah, the voice of Hoggle is Brian Henson, I'm pretty sure. 
The young girl leaving the dentist office with her jaws wired before Bill Murray's scene is Heather Henson, the really? daughter of Jim. Well, yeah, yeah, that sounds like um, the only moments that those children got to spend with their father was if they were invited to his set because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they they um, are notorious, you know, for talking about oh. how like Jim yeah. Henson was like America's father. But not to us. But not to us. Yeah. Never around, like never home, which is just a shame. But you know. Wow. <laughs> okay, I got this. I got this up right here. Let me just share it. Oops. Oops. Um, this is the original Little Shop of Horrors, and this was 1960. This came. You see it? Yes. Okay. Feed me. Take it easy, Dracula. What do you think I'm carrying here? My dirty laundry? <laughs> Where a man-eating talking plant gives homicide something that... Uh, ever see this man? Man. Why are you so nervous? Oh, oh James. Boy, you Super good. here. Now you will do as I say. Oh, yeah, some plant hypnotizes him. Also, it's like kind of like a Dracula situation with, um... What's the matter? Don't you like Lou Boney? Tironi? Nobody ever told me that before. Beef is better than veal. Beef is Wow, how cool. You know, it's not it's not like it's funny because it's bad. Like it's supposed to be a comedy. Yeah, it's supposed to be a horror comedy. Um so yeah. Uh there's they they talk about there's another rumor that the reason that this movie was made by Roger Corman at this time was not just because he had a set available to him, but it was because the industry was changing their standards on how actors got paid. They were going to start giving actors royalty, which they had never really done in the past. So Roger Corman was like, oh, shit, this is going to like kind of fuck up my whole model of movie making. Uh And he tried, and this change was supposed to happen in like 19... January 1960 or something like that. So he had like two weeks before that change happened in the industry to like shoot one last movie where he could not pay people basically. You know? <laughs> <laughs> one last hurrah before he yeah. it all off. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I believe that kind of, you know, I kind of believe that that's probably true that that had a lot to do with the fact that he just squoze in one more movie, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. That yeah. makes fucking sense. That's on brand. Anyway. Yeah, it is. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but you, you really should go check that movie out. It's fascinating. And it moves by a, it moves by at a quip. Like it's not that long. Anyway. Oh, cool. Uh, very I'm low budget. Yeah. Yeah. So very, like Star Trek effects. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, we, even even worse than that, right? Uh, let me look something up real quick. You go Are ahead. You sure? and damp. All right, All right. You go ahead go. and damp the time. Any I more lost trip? my trivia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I got to get back. Mm-hmm. I was kind of swinging around there for a minute, looking at um, 
Brian Henson's uh, filmography. It's really good. Oh, yeah. He's got some stuff. That guy's worked on all kinds of stuff. Let's see here. Here, Mean Green Mother from Outer Space was one of my favorite songs from that movie, which was written for this film, is the first Oscar-nominated song to contain profanity. As a result, when the song was performed at the Oscar ceremony by Levi Stubbs in The Four Tops, it was edited, replacing the more risque lyrics with lyrics cut from the final film, though included in the film's soundtrack. That sucks. Wow, really? That's cool that Levi Stubbs performed that live at the Oscars. Um, I would like to go back, try to find that and watch it uh-huh. someday. With the four tops. Yeah. Now, but, but I'll check that out. Oh, by the way, um, I've always loved this era of music. Like, I grew up on doo-wop music and Motown and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Know? The Raven, uh, the Ronettes and stuff? Oh, absolutely. The Four Tops, the Drifters were one of my favorites. Um, I just, you know, I had a radio when I was a kid growing up. Mm-hmm. Barely had any cassette tapes. Like, I had some, but, like, it wasn't much. And I also, you know, at that young age, I didn't know what music was, really, you know. Right. But in Southern California, there's an oldie station called K-Earth 101. <laughs> it's a classic. And it's still that, around? Probably. Uh, uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. But probably. And I bet these days they're playing Nirvana and Soundgarden. Right. Like, oh, Play fuck. the oldies. Whole. <laughs> God, God damn it. That's what uh, the offspring. <laughs> the classics. Uh, back, back then. <laughs> Uh, you know, they were playing the golden oldies, and right. I just loved that shit. I went to sleep every night with, I'm the kind of person that, like, can't sleep in silence, and I've never been able to. I always have to have, like, some kind of audio going. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, I, back then, like, not like we had many options, you know, we didn't have fucking Spotify. We didn't have, you know, any had recorded yeah. tapes that <laughs> had songs recorded from the radio with commercials and on I, it. Yeah, yeah, we had the radio, FM radio, and that's it. Uh, we sound old, but I guess we are fucking old. We are anyway. fucking old. I was listening to fucking Art Bell on Coast to Coast AM radio. Well, that that years. came into my life in my teenage years, like 12, 13, I think I discovered I think Art Bell. Yeah, but I'm talking about when I was like fucking six years old. Wow. It was going to bed. And my radio station was K-Earth 101. I fell asleep to it every night. So I just came, became so familiar with that music, you know. And I've always loved it. And I still do. I listen. I still listen to that era of doo-wop a lot. You know, like the Phil Spector kind of shit. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I don't mean to invoke his name, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that he kind of created that sound in a big way back then. Sorry to say, I know the history, but fuck. Yeah. Anyway. But he was talented and he knew how to bring out the talent people too. And then yeah. he took advantage of them. Mm, yeah. Um, but I've always, I've always been into that kind of music. So this is perfect, you know. And the person responsible for the music from Little Shop of Horrors is Howard Ashman and Alan Menken. They are the guys who are like, they were playwrights and and musicians and musical guys, and they wanted to get a show together, and they thought, like, this is a crazy idea, but let's take this old B-movie and turn it into a musical. And they were like, fuck, why not? I think before that, what did they do? Like, Hair or something? Let me, let me look at this fucking guy. Harold Ashman or? 
Howard Ashman. Yep, that's right. Oh, Howard Ashman. I'm sorry. Yeah, you just um... if you don't know about Howard Ashman, look into this fucking guy because he's oh, so fascinating. And if you giant. want, or was it if you want an easy um, way to just sort of like learn about him real quick, there's a great documentary on Disney Plus. I think it's called like I think it's called like Howard and Alan or something like that. Honestly. So he was a musical guy and he was kind of failing until a little shop of horrors. Um, and yeah. yeah. And he wrote all the music and everything, like all the songs that, you know, they're because Howard Ashman, you know, he did it almost immediately after little shop of horrors. He was... revived Disney animation. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. He was yeah. responsible for the Disney animation Renaissance, the Renaissance in the late eighties, early nineties. Solely fucking responsible don't put it on anyone else really because it was kind of him he was the guy who brought the musical mentality to these movies he's like hey like these songs can't just be songs that show up in the movie and then go away they have to actually progress the story and progress the plot and give you an idea as to like who these characters are and build on characters so then he goes and 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 fucking writes music for the fucking little mermaid and blows everyone away. And then he does the lion King and he does like beauty and the beast. And then he died of fucking AIDS. Oh shit. I know. Yeah. It's tragic. I'm I know it's tragic, but Holy shit. Like this guy is like the unsung hero of Disney animation. Like he needs to be talked about more. Yeah. He, he probably, he died in like 92 or something because, Something like There's that. 92, dozens. 90, like they were in the middle of the Lion King. Oh yeah. Uh, there were dozens of, of, of credits after that, but you see like a sudden stop after 92. Cause he fucking died of AIDS March 14th, 1991. I know. And watch, watch the movie. I think it's called Howard or something like that. It's on Disney plus it's unbelievable and it's heart wrenching and it's, uh, it's so good. You need to watch it. Dude, wow! Watch it. Yeah. Anyway, he was this young, guy, forty years old. Yeah, I fucking AIDS, dude. Yeah. Thanks, Ronald Reagan, for just like sweeping that shit under the rug and not. Uh, okay, let's not get started on that. But anyway, yeah. you, you know, if you want a crash course in this guy, go watch that documentary. It's fantastic. And uh, so, yeah, so he's responsible for writing this music. He did it at an off-Broadway musical, and then. It, that got really popular. It was very popular off-Broadway musical. People fucking loved it. And I guess that's, that's where David Geffen saw it and got the idea to turn it into a movie. IMDb then, actually has a listing for that, and they have some production photos. Oh, uh, cool. Right? So, yeah. It's, it's for, the, cool. for the Broadway musical? For the broad, yeah, for the Broadway musical. I've never seen it live, and I've always wanted to. I, I'm, I keep kind of – I keep my I finger on the pulse of opportunity mm-hmm. and uh, – as soon as I have the opportunity, I'm gonna go see that music. Every time, uh, every time somebody's putting that together here locally, or they do Rocky Horror, I'm there mm-hmm. opening night. Oh yeah, <sighs> Rocky I used Horror. To do, like there was three or four production companies around here that were doing live action uh, the Rocky Horror. I've yeah, heard that if you movie. really want to appreciate Rocky Horror, you've got to go to the live thing. And I've never been, so maybe that's why. I've seen the movie, and I wasn't totally thrilled by it, as I mm. felt I should be. You know what? 
we might get into that on another movies as comics because that was adapted into a comic book. So mm-hmm. I keep trying to get it's Rocky Horror it. comic book. Yep. Mm-hmm. The title and <laughs> I want it, but I keep so, missing so, it on eBay. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um so yeah, then and the musical was uh a little different than what the movie became such mostly involving the ending because the ending was a lot darker in the musical um everyone dies basically you know <laughs> yeah pretty much you know and, you, you, with, the, with that term musical though that reminds me of something you said when somebody asked me about like what musicals i like um this rocky horror or just things that pop into my head because i'm not you know i'm not going after chicago or, or anything have like you that. Seen, have you seen many musicals or is it, is it just have to do with that you haven't seen very many or i haven't seen very many at all um and i, I i've of course seen like the bigger one chicago being chicago? probably one um, i really like chicago actually i got into yeah. musicals with rocky horror i'm sorry with the little shop of horrors rocky horror me. came much later for me yeah, anyway yeah. i know it was before but i didn't i didn't give it much mind until high school right, uh, right. but yeah besides that it was um yeah, this is my definition of a musical. <laughs> yeah. Um, I recommend Cannibal the Musical by Trey Parker and Matt Stone. <laughs> no, of course. <laughs> yeah. Are the South Park things considered musicals? South Park, the movie Bigger, Longer, and Uncut? That's a musical. That's a musical. That's definitely a musical. Um, there was a Buffy episode that was a musical. It's really good. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, they got a musical uh, curse. Yeah, I still I had the, the soundtrack. I bought that, that soundtrack like five or six times. <laughs> nice, nice. I fucking love Buffy. Um, there are some more classic. There are some more classic musicals that I like. Like Funny Girl is really good with Barbara Streisand. With Barbara Streisand. Yeah, and I know Barbara Streisand is like you know a thing these days, but she's she's great in that you know, and it's got that classic song in it. Uh, you know. Don't tell me not to fly. I've simply gotta. If someone takes a spill, Doubtfire. <laughs> the only reason I know that song is because of the rain on my parade. It's good stuff. It's really good. yeah, and it's a real good story too. Yeah, but um, I'm not. I don't love musicals per se. But, yeah, but if uh, they involve the new... monster people eating plant, you know, that's get me more on board. Uh, <laughs> the new Joker movie's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah damn it mm-hmm. uh so anyway um they wanted to make a movie about this and they did and it's a great movie and so um levi stubbs from the four tops or i don't know if it's the four tops yeah it is yeah, it the is. Four tops levi stubbs is audrey too um rick moranis seymour krelburn ellen green is audrey Ellen Green, you might think like, man, I've never fucking seen her in anything. It's because she comes from Broadway. She was Audrey in the Broadway production. She's got a set of lungs on her. <laughs> she's such a great singer, but she's the carryover from the off-Broadway show to the movie. They oh, just okay. couldn't, they couldn't imagine anyone else in the part. I think they even considered, I think Bette Midler was considered... Or maybe it was Bar. Wait, Streisand was considered for the part. But anyway, they just decided Ellen Green because she just owned that goddamn part, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she was the she was the Audrey in the original Broadway production as well, oh. which is cool. I think you could see a little bit of footage of that um, on the internet. 
out there. Or it's definitely in that document. It's definitely in that documentary that I mentioned, the Howard documentary. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's great. I love her little mousy voice that she puts on. You know, mm-hmm. and she even—it's so hard to it while while you're singing to go from oh this little mousy voice to this big voice. You know, like that's yeah. so fucking hard to do, and she does it effortlessly. It's incredible. You know, and um, Rick Moranis, like you never consider him like a singer. Like, I, is this unprecedented for Rick Moranis? Is he a singer? before i don't know he's a comedian you know he's yeah i wonder i wonder how they decided like oh this guy can sing let's get him you know it seems weird kind of mm-hmm. but on the other hand like these songs are kind of easy to sing also like they're not too complicated of songs just because they're in that old doo-wop style and, yeah and, you know um with the exception of the audrey two songs yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, well Levi Stubbs. That's a different Levi Stubbs. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Would you like a Cadillac car? Oh, fucking mm-hmm. so good, so good. And then he breaks down. He's like, I don't know. I have so <laughs> many strong reservations. <laughs> Should I go and commit mutilations? <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking good like yeah i cannot get i never get over how good this movie is and then you have so many walk-ons of course steve martin and bill murray but there's also like you know the the three uh what are the singers called that sort of like bridge the whole movie with um tisha campbell regina king uh, yeah um they're great they're great like they they are so good every time they show up doing their thing um it really kind of like ties it all together like the dude's rug kind of you know uh-huh. <laughs> they're they're i think that role is is oh man what do they call it something it's greek something oh yeah like a greek chorus yeah greek chorus yeah mm, yeah kind of like that but more like yeah but more like a doo-wop King? girl group um yeah um they're so good and they were so good that i they even expanded a couple of their songs for the movie from the broadway play because they were so good and they just wanted more of them which is the correct move you know mm-hmm. absolutely um and then you have walk-ons like jim belushi shows up at the end as like the guy who's trying to cultivate the plant and make put them all over the world john candy is wink winkleson <laughs> Oh, weird. Weird. <laughs> like, those inflections in their voices, like, will just, they're so good, they're just ingrained in my head also, you know? Yeah. Um, The first customer that walks in is Christopher Guest, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, when he plant, he's like, why is anyone going to walk in for the strange and unusual plant? And then all of a sudden. Strange and unusual like, plant. What is that strange and unusual plant? <laughs> like, it's mm-hmm. so good. Um, hey, did you yeah. know that they're getting they're getting a new fucking um what do you call it the I'm blanking on the goddamn band documentary Christopher Guest God damn it My. so bad Spinal, Spinal Tap. Tap Spinal Tap they're, yeah they're getting another Spinal Tap movie together right now mm-hmm. that's crazy to me I never thought that <laughs> it's been forty years what the hell I guess all those more. guys are still around Harry Shear and Harry Shear's still around yeah. All, yeah, all them guys. Uh, that should be fun. Yeah, uh, John Gant, yeah, uh, Bill Murray, of course. 
Um, so many, so many people. Yeah. What else? I mean, the the achievement of making this Audrey two puppet and operating it is just fucking astronomical. What yeah, they had yeah. to do to do this thing. Have you ever seen behind the scenes of them? Like, especially when Audrey two is like completely grown and like doing the mean green mother from outer space song. You, That's you a can, six foot tall or, or at least more than six feet tall. More. Yeah. And it's not animatronic, right? That was all puppe- puppeteering. Puppeteering. Yeah. And you could see some behind the scenes uh, if you watch on like the Blu-ray. I know th- that they're there. Mm-hmm. Of you know, they pull back the screen and you see all the operators, and there's like fucking twelve people just like pulling cranks <laughs> and like doing this kind of shit with like all these things, and like while the song well, is going on, it's crazy. The then lips the- are very animated. The tongue is going yeah, right. All the tentac, all the fucking vines uh-huh. and shit. It's insane what they had to do. But even beyond that, like they pulled little camera tricks that like no one today can even be clever enough because they all fucking fall back on CG. On CG, yeah. yeah. But like the scene where where he first feeds Audrey to some blood and he walks away and Audrey to grows a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like how they did that is just crazy. Crazy. It's all forced perspective, actually. Mm-hmm. Like they had the plant come and just get like closer to the camera to make it look like it's growing out of this yeah. can and yeah. and it looks like it's just getting bigger it just create brilliant solutions to like mechanical physical problems that i don't even i don't even think it's in the brains of people these days so simple just to go and pay somebody some probably even like an asian somewhere in like korea probably to, uh, yeah let's farm it out shit. somewhere yeah yeah um, but this just like there weren't too many optical shots in this movie. I think there were literally two. One of them was showing the eclipse of the sun, uh-huh. and the other one was like an explosion or something like that at the end. Like wasn't too much. Everything was practical. Yeah. Just yeah. every yeah, everything practically. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. The this set- movie would take two days to make nowadays, uh, but you'll see mm-hmm. the difference in production. Yeah. The the set that they built. That Skid Row set is incredibly impressive, you know. Oh yeah. Oh, it looks so good. And some of the shots, the, some of the big, like techno crane shots they got of the pullbacks were impressive. They even got this crazy shot where they used a crane on top of another crane to get it to do the camera movement that they wanted away from Audrey Audrey's apartment and up to the singers on the rooftop and like they just the. The fucking ingenuity that these guys had to figure out was just, I I wish it was still present in movies today. Yeah, the best we can get is probably, what, stop motion? Yeah, yeah, I guess so, man. I guess so. Anything else about the movie? We've been gushing for about an hour on it. (laughs) I'm sorry. Sorry. (laughs) I just looked at the time. Yeah, I know. Here's, 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 um, Here's an example of how much I love this movie. You've heard me rail on pop vinyls in the past. Yeah. And how much I hate them. Yes. Right. I bought one, however. <laughs> uh-huh. I just had to. And it's this Audrey too. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's it's so cool, though. I know. It looks fucking perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Like, this is the right kind of thing to do, Funko. You know? Uh-huh. Not those like fucking dead eye, black eye bullshit characters that you just yeah. 
change the skin on. This is fucking great here. But like, so like, you know, any pop vinyl I bought. Oh, it's Audrey too, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Great. Okay. So the comic, (laughs) are you ready to breeze through this real quick? Yeah. I think we'll get through this pretty quick. Um, yeah. Did you, so I've had, I've had this comic in my possession for a while, like five to 10 years or something like that. And I've read it a couple of times already, but did you, did you just recently read it or what? Yeah. Just today was the first time I, I've had it for about a year already. Picked it up uh-huh. in preparation for this at some point. I knew we were mm-hmm. going to get to little shop of horrors when I, 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 I found it browsing through comics on eBay and I reached out to you. Damn, you know, there's a adaptation. Can we do this next? <laughs> and so, you know, I've had yeah. it here sitting next to me on my desk, and I just barely opened it today and read it for. Uh huh. It's so it's DC Comics, the official adaptation of the movie. I really like this cover. The yeah, this cover is done by the same interior artist, uh, Gene Colan. So the guy, what was Gene Colan? He's, he's been in a lot. Doctor Strange. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, comic legend. Tomb of Dracula. He did a yes, Dracula. He did. Uh, did he do Conan? He did Conan. He did uh, the death of Captain yeah. Marvel. Yes, yes. He's responsible for that. Uh, sure. He's a co-creator um, for Blade. Yep. Sure. Uh huh. Um, Howard the Duck. Quite an extensive history, Gene Colan, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and and this that's typical of these adaptations in the seventies and the eighties. These publishers like Marvel and DC are giving it to you know their 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 top talent. Yeah, top talent, but also on the other hand, like stalwarts, you know, like company Stalwart, stalwarts, yeah. like they've been around for a while. Um, maybe they're not like the new hot shots anymore. Yeah. Also, at this time, mm-hmm. it seems. But yeah. They, um, they, but they're but they're so. Um, you know, respected that they want to keep giving these guys work. You know, they've right? earned this spot work to get to the, the the jobs like this. Right, right, right. That's what I think. Even like Bob Rosakis had told us that when we. Oh yeah, those questions yeah. about Bill and Ted. Yeah, about Bill and Ted. Uh, Michael Fleischer is the writer. He adapted screenplay. I think it was a uh, script adaptation. So it's not specific. Who is Michael Fleischer? I mean, he was, uh, when I hear that name, I automatically think of like. You know, that, yeah. yeah superman uh superman it's cartoons cool. but no he he was on um i think the biggest thing that he was on because he was also a novelist too but from a comic aspect he was there at the beginning of the specter oh oh really? um so yeah dc's spirit of vengeance the specter he he um he was there from not he didn't create the character and he didn't have anything to do it but his very early appearances in like adventure comics is he uh, is he typically a writer or is he more of like an editor writer. that because it also seems like with a lot of these movie adaptations they kind of like grab an editor to script to adapt this stuff. Yeah, but most of those editors had started off writing, you know, like Marv Wolfman, um, art by Gene Colan and and Dave Hunt. Dave Hunt. Um, I looked up Dave Hunt and I forgot all about him. Dave <laughs> Hunt. You have to you have to be specifically with the artist because there's another Dave Hunt who is a big evangelical person. Oh, yeah. So just make sure you're specific with comic artist, and it looks like he's been an anchor for people like John Byrne, uh, Ross Andrew, um, all kinds of people. He was an anchor. Gil Kane, okay, uh, Bushima. What's Bushima's name? Sal, Sal Bushima. Sal Bushima. Oh, George Perez. Oh, cool. 
Um, or John, yeah. John, John Bushima? No, Sal. I know, I know Michael Fleischer, at the time, he wasn't doing comics. He did comics in the 70s, so it was mainly the adventure comics from D.C., but uh, um, right. he was a college professor at this um, teaching English and writing. Oh, okay, cool. Editor Julie, Julius Schwartz, of course, because oh, he was the editor at the time. Yeah. Wow, deep, big boss well, back then. Wild guy. There's some fun stories about working with Julie, working for Julius Schwartz that <laughs> have come out of DC. If you look that up sometime, go ahead. Fun <laughs> stories. <laughs> Seems like a fun guy. <laughs> I haven't seen any of those. Oh, you really? definitely don't hear any kind of Jim Shooter horror stories. He got along with people, I guess, but. No, Julius Schwartz was like kind of like a fucking blowhard, tough, tough guy to work for. The complete comic is ad, is ad free, which I find is amazing. Sixty four yeah, pages of goodness. Well, it's clear it's clear that they made this to promote the movie coming out, and I think that this was one of those situations where they hadn't seen the movie when they were developing this. I don't, I probably the movie hadn't been finished. They were probably working on it concurrently with the movie production. Do you think? Because does, think that, does that explain the character models here? That the, explains the character models. And it also explains how the opening scene is almost word for word. Those first two, three, four yeah. pages are. Oh, it's, yeah. The narration is spot on for sure. Yes. You know, yes. um, on the 23rd day of September, in an early yeah. year of a decade, not too long before our own, the human race suddenly encountered a deadly threat to its very existence. And this terrifying enemy surfaced, as such enemies often do, in the seemingly most innocent and unlikely of places. Yeah. Now you're know, going to do this the entire episode. Oh, Skid Row is one of my favorite songs in the whole thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Skid Row. And, you know, that's one of the first things I notice about going through this comic is just you don't have the music because it's a comic medium. What are you supposed to do? But it sure feels lacking, you know? Yep, I played it in my head. Yeah, you can't. You know, like, not- this is where that song would kick in, and this is where yep. that song would kick in. Yep, yep, yep. But if you hadn't seen it or weren't familiar with the songs, it would be it would fall kind of flat and be kind of dull. I think. Yeah, but would you pick this yeah, up if you didn't? If you weren't a fan of this what? upcoming movie at this point, or maybe it had already been released. Um, so, like in 1986, you know? Yeah, in 1986, are you picking? Maybe, like if I had heard of it and. You know, you know, I'm not buying a fucking DVD. I'm not even buying a VHS tape in 1986. No. Uh, you know, maybe my fucking video rental store doesn't have the beta tape. You know, what the fuck are you supposed to do? Maybe you missed it in the theater, theatrical run, you know, mm-hmm. but you've heard about it. You might pick this up That's- without. I think it's possible that you could have picked this up without having ever seen it. I, I think we've hypothesized that. A couple of times, especially in the 70s and the 80s, as being a medium to watch or to relive this if you maybe caught it in the theaters or you didn't catch it in the theaters and you ran into this in like a a specialty shop or your local groceries. And also what what makes me think that like um, I don't think the movie was completed is look at the look at the ad for the movie on the inside front cover of this. 
Very basic, yeah. Very basic. Like, they had a font. They had a title, and that's it. Maybe some of the casting for the movie wasn't even completed at this point. The script definitely was. They had a script, for sure. They had a script. They had seen the Broadway musical, for sure. For sure. They They probably had at least pictures and stills from that as well to work on and base their models on. But I don't. I think that they were probably working on this before the movie was complete to try to try to uh, have it come out. mm -hmm. And also, they had the original Roger Corman movie to reference, and I think they kind of referenced it a little bit for developing this comic. Mm -hmm. I think a little bit. The Seymour character looks a little more like the guy in the fucking original movie than he does Rick Moranis. The Audrey 2 plant, as soon as it's an adult, it doesn't look anything like that, though. And it has that same flat, open mouth, flappy from that trailer we just watched. That's the thing that bothers me the most about this comic is the way that Audrey 2 is designed. It looks like a fucking floppy, like gummy. Yeah, it looks like a fucking hunk of shit in some scenes. Here's one, page 45 towards the end. Yeah, okay. I was going to make a comment about the kind of the panels being a little chaotic. Um, They're not very well organized. Mm -hmm. And I think that that that, and there's another scene where like the panels were all just kind of offset to everything else. And they do that constantly. Look at this fucking thing. It's unorganized. What the hell is this? (laughs) Like, (laughs) that doesn't look like the movie at all. Here's another here's another one too, but like I'm talking about panel placement. This is uh-huh. on page fifty five and uh-huh. this right here. This there's a gutter around this panel and there's a gutter around every other panel on here, but there's this it, it like it's not bla- breaking, like it's tied together, but it's not really tied together. Oh yeah, weird. That is super oh. weird, yeah. I see that. It kind of just like spills over here. It almost looked like there was But it's a- not progressive. Yeah. Huh, that's kind of bizarre. Anyway, um, but the plot plays out, you know, pretty much like the movie. It's it's not like it's not like you know we've seen in some comic adaptations where they were working off a, a shoot a working script mm-hmm. that eventually got changed during the film's production, yeah. but they had already done it in the comic. That doesn't seem to be the case here. Everything here plays out exactly like the movie. It's like you might expect. You, you might expect, because we were just talking about how there was an original ending to this movie that was more in tune with the stage play, where everyone dies and these things fucking take over the world like giant kaiju monsters. Mm-hmm. You, you might expect that to be the ending in this comic, but they knew the revised ending. Yeah. And they went with the revised ending. So, I don't Which know. is strange now, because when they're filming movies in this day and age, they don't have a script most of the time. Much less the finalized script. Yeah. Uh, and that was one of the problems uh, I've been hearing w- while doing the research for one of our other upcoming episodes, uh, Alien 3. Mm-hmm. They, they got all the actors together. They got all the locations. And they didn't even have a script. Um, but this one, it does. It's very cohesive. There's a there's a, a very tight adaptation. Some of the characters are so off model from what you see in the movie, sort of like the dentist character by Steve Martin, Orville, mm-hmm. what's his name? Orin something or other. Orin DD, uh, yeah. Like that. He is like complete opposite of what you see Steve Martin in the movie. He's like blonde with long, shaggy blonde hair. And he wears this like fucking pith hat kind of when he rides around his motorcycle with a helmet. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. Um, so when, <laughs> when they- he throws, I laughed out loud when he throws that and it hits his secretary in the face. Twenty five. <laughs> I did too. That yeah, hilarious. that was great. Um, but they they do work. They do work some of the song lyrics into the dialogue as well. I saw that. Yeah, which is kind of weird. Like it feels weird, you know. But you got um, yeah. Where was that though? The introduction of the dentist, and he's like riding his motorcycle along, and he's just thinking to himself for some reason, reflecting uh, on his life, <laughs> you know. Uh, and he's like, <laughs> no, he's like, um, even when I was a little kid, I used to get off on doing real nasty things like poisoning guppies and shooting puppies with a BB gun. Then one day after I'd found myself a pussy cat and bashing its head, <laughs> my mama took me aside and said to me, or my boy, I think someday you'll find a way to make a prosperous living from these natural tendencies. <laughs> you know, it's basically the song, you know? Yeah. Like shooting puppies with a BB gun. I poisoned guppies, and when I was done, find a pussy cat bash. <laughs> she said, "My boy, one day you'll find a way to make your natural tendencies pay." Yo, <laughs> it's so fucking good, so funny. Anyway, um, none of the walk-on characters are on model either, which makes me think like they were doing this before they were like, hey, John Candy, come do this part. Hey, Bill Murray, come do this part. Because, you know, the Wick Wink Wilkinson doesn't look a thing like John Candy. Like, they didn't even try. No, and there was a little bit of censorship in that scene, too, because the plant wasn't just snapping at that woman's ass. At that woman's ass, yeah. That was kind of like a... It's, it's, to me, that's like a pivotal moment. It shows that the, the creature is... Blo- yeah, like, it was out blood there for thirsty, just like, yeah. bloodthirsty, right. Um, but it, then it makes you think, like, was that something that was, like, you know, improvised on set? You know, so they didn't know it was going to happen or what? I think I I was glancing at more of the trivia that's listed for this in IMDb. And I saw that Steve Martin, there's credits in there for Steve Martin coming up with a lot of the gags that he did while playing um, the dentist. So I'd assume that, yeah, I mean. Yeah, he brought a lot to the table. And Bill Murray also, I think, was like a lot of that stuff was improvised on like between him. Like the whole, I think that whole candy bar, you know, or to the dentist. And he said, oh, I'll give you a candy bar. I'm like, what a candy bar. Like that whole shit, I think was totally improvised on set between him and Steve Martin. So like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that this thing was written before, definitely before the movie was finished. They never saw a finished movie when they were doing this. Comment. They were producing this. Yeah, it was after. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think of the art overall? You know, I know, I know that you're not too thrilled about not- like panel layout and stuff no and there's another example in here that i'm looking for it's on page 37 with um the the um there's so much area here yeah Yeah. that dead space right there yeah yeah like space blank space what is this (laughs) and and it's like again for a reason like it's not like a gap in storytelling it's not like it's not like a character closed their eyes or i don't know like blacked out something like that no reason. Yeah. No, there's no reason whatsoever. Um, and it weird. continues uh, on the next page too. It's just a bunch of wasted space where they're trying to be artistic with the panels. And I guess so. Yeah. Some, most of the time it doesn't work. Um, it, 
it didn't make it any easier to read. It didn't kind of uh, in in it didn't invoke any thought, any kind of horror or comedy or anything like that. No, the panel choices were just barely. stupid. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the art yeah. of the individual people in here is amazing because these are like legends it. that are touching it. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot, actually. I like the coloring also. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, Aubrey 2 coloring is great. The green and the purple. The very dynamic layouts, you know, very dynamic, like, blocking. Yeah. The, you know, the shadow work is good. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that. The, yeah. the, the, the facial expressions are pretty great. They really sell what's going on. Yeah, but, you get a lot of emotion there. But there are other little things that make me think, like, they never saw the fucking movie when they were doing this. Like, look at the dentist sucking on his fucking laughing gas you know like um he's just really got like a standard sort of mouth breather over his head you know he's putting over his face like you know it looks pretty standard like you would find in a medical um office or like a nebulizer mask yeah but that thing that fucking steve martin is wearing with those little black (laughs) balloons like blowing up on the side like Uh oh that's so funny (laughs) <laughs> and I, I would imagine that if they had seen that, they would have, would have drawn it like that in this comic. Yeah. You know, because it's such a cool looking kind of like design, weird kind of design. Agreed. Like yeah. Really kind of. I used to be scared of that when I was a kid, actually. <laughs> yeah. Him, yeah. Steve Martin with that thing with the balloons. It used to make me very uncomfortable when I was a kid and kind of frighten me, honest, you know. But this is just like, yeah, he's wearing a mask. Okay, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> what else about this comic? Uh, you know, like I said, it plays out pretty much just like the movie. There's really no difference in the story here. There really isn't. I don't think. Is there? Did you pick I didn't up see anything any. that was different from this? Uh, the ending. Movie? But What about the ending? Uh, let's see. The plant calls Audrey on the yeah. telephone, which is great in the movie when he pulls that coin out of the fucking drawer. And- the is this the very last page? Mm-hmm. Is that the ending yeah. of this movie? I haven't seen this movie in a while. To be honest, <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Um, the, so, the, with the little plant as they're yeah, walking. Absolutely, in. absolutely, it is. That's how it ended with the house. Hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, it's such a cool ending. Uh, they finally get their little fantasy house, and then it pulls back across their front yard into the garden, and it pans down. And there's a little tiny Audrey too in the garden. Cut to credits. <laughs> yep, that's absolutely how it ends. Yeah, one of my I remember as a kid I used to skip. I used to want to skip past that song that Audrey sings about her longing for like a uh-huh. movie, you know. Yeah. Now as an adult, it's one of my most favorite songs. It's so funny to listen to her singing about like having a couch covered in plastic and a washer and dryer and like the just yeah. like the, it's, it's I, hilarious it's it's like um the tv dinners <laughs> oh fucking yeah and they're all dressed the same yeah, it's so same. funny to me now and i that's something that was more like subversive that i didn't get when i was a kid i just thought it was a slow boring sappy song by a girl or something right I, but uh, that was one of my favorite fucking moments of the whole movie yeah I had um, introduced somebody to this movie who hadn't seen it before, and her I first reaction to that song uh-huh. was, uh, "Oh wait, I thought that was a Family Guy thing." Family Apparently, Guy. They parried. They parried it. They parried it. Oh. Uh, trying to get the word out. 
Mm-hmm. Per, can you do it? Parody did it. I'm sure they did. Family yeah. Guy has a fucking small bag of tricks, and yeah. really all it is is like, hey, you remember this movie from the 80s? Yeah, yeah, like the 80s. That's the joke. <laughs> you know, like, fuck. Yeah. Mm, great. Mm. Let's see. Oh, here's a moment um, is when he shows up shoots. at the end game and he shoots him and he finds out that he, he's impene- impenetrable. Bulletproof. Mm-hmm. Bulletproof. I don't think that that happens in the movie, actually. I don't think so. He has a gun, but as he pulls yeah. it up, like it immediately gets knocked out of his hand. Well, he doesn't fires, Audrey 2 pick it up, fires. though? Oh, yeah. Audrey 2 picks it up and, and shoots at his feet, you know, like kind of makes yeah. it dead. Yeah, yeah, but it's never the gun is never fired at Audrey too. That's not a thing. Um, oh, also, what you don't get here is any of like you know how all of a sudden I'm a mean green mother from outer space, and he's like coming up with all those uh, extra pods, little pods, yeah, and their backup singers and stuff. Like that's not represented here at all. So it may. Uh, it's also something that lends to like uh, maybe they didn't ever see the end of the movie you know maybe they didn't actually see the movie when they were doing that um but again but they did have the rewrite in here you know yeah where he saved you know audrey two's audrey is in the mouth and he comes and saves her and she's fine then he electrocutes it to death with the the um busted wire but you don't get the classic yeah you don't get you don't get the um Oh shit! Shit! <laughs> oh shit! Like what a good delivery from Levi Stubbs and <laughs> a perfect last line for the plant. Um, I wish that would have been in here in some form. They could have put they could have put the little like you know symbols to represent a curse word. I yeah. think that would have been a, a fine and appropriate. Yeah. I think could have done that, but no. Anyway. No. Uh, but yeah, this ends. This ends just like the movie. And then there's yeah. a solicit. And then there's a solicit at the end for Legends crossover. <laughs> I was gonna start like I, I was gonna look up a synopsis for that crossover because yeah. I know that's the introduction of like uh, Amanda Waller and Suicide oh, really? Squad. I did not know that. That's cool. Yeah, uh, this was I think the big incorporation of the Shazam characters and all that Fawcett stuff. Really. Uh, yeah, I think I could be wrong. Oh. Correct us if we're wrong. Uh, ganglineassembly at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I never heard but of I Cosmic know... Boy, I don't think. Oh. Cosmic Boy was uh, a Legionnaire. Oh, okay. so all right. that Superman, Superboy stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then the the final one on the back page is for Captain Adam that seems like super dramatic. Let's take a look. Oh, yeah, look at that. Adam. Yeah. And he may he's now he's back and he may be the most powerful human being on earth. And those are right. only two solicitations are just DC projects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no ad for like a DVD release or a theatrical release. Nope. They may have not even known when it was going to premiere. Because here's the ad for the movie. It doesn't say it doesn't have a yeah coming soon or anything. Yeah. Or anything. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't even say coming soon. It doesn't say. Go see it in theaters, and it doesn't mm-hmm. say home video soon. Nothing like that at all. It's really just the title, black and white, with the filmmaker credits. Yeah, and then the very bottom of the page is the Indisha. Yeah, the DC stuff. The DC. So, yeah. And I wasn't able, you know, um, I wasn't able to read anywhere that they said, like, oh, yeah, we were working off the script and mm-hmm. stills from the Broadway musical, but... 
that sure seems to be what was going on here. Right. The dentist, like go watch the Roger Corman movie, like I said, and the dentist is looks a lot more this character looks a lot more like that fucking guy from the sixties Corman movie. Oh wow. Steve Martin. I'm gonna try and look for it right now, actually. <laughs> but anyway, so Yeah. It's Little Shop of Horrors by DC Comics. Official adaptation of the movie, Little Shop of Horrors which was an adaptation of a stage musical, Little Shop of Horrors, which was an adaptation of 1960s black and white movie, Little Shop of Horrors. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? What is, what is our bag and board oh, yeah. it or just ignore it? It's bag and board it or just ignore it? I'd say bag and board it. I enjoy, I, I, as soon as I came across this uh, online, I had to buy it mm-hmm. because I'm such a big uh, Little Shop of Horrors fan, especially this particular um version of the film mm-hmm. or of the story uh yeah, i was not disappointed at for sure yeah. um i was not disappointed at the adaptation itself on the inside uh there were funny moments in there just as you know hilarious as the as the movie like the you know the assistant there and um it was an easy enough read to understand so i definitely back and board it I agree. I say bag and board it. Every, I second everything you said. And I th- also think that they did a pretty good job invoking the songs, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. They, I think they knew what they were doing with that, you know? Yeah. Actually, there's one moment. Let me get back into this. There's yeah. one moment, one little moment that seems weird. Here it is. And it's, it says, oh, shit, the camera better. Hang on. I'm sorry. Page 33. That's right. Page 33 up at the top right corner. He's doing, he finds out he's talking. He's doing feed me Seymour, but there's little music notes under it. You see that? Yeah. So uh, you're looking at that and you're like, feed me Seymour, feed me all night long. The plant (laughs) literally sings that just that one line for some reason. Isn't that kind of weird? Like why did the, why didn't they do that? Because that kind of works, you know. It worked, Why didn't yeah. They do that more frequently throughout the book. Yeah. Because this just comes out of nowhere, and he's like, wait a minute, this plant's fucking singing? What the fuck? <laughs> like, it seems like it'd be weird. I don't know. I don't did know. He call, did he call the plant Tui? Yeah, Tui. He calls in it the, Tui in the movie? throughout the movie. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Tui. I can't yeah, forget that. He's saying that a bunch. Oh, by the way, in the 60s Corman movie, it's Audrey Jr. It's not, it's not Audrey 2, which I think is a funnier joke. Audrey 2. Mm-hmm. Audrey 2, yeah. <laughs> oh, two. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I love when she squeaks. <laughs> There's just like little subtle moments in the movie. Like he says, I named it Audrey 2. After me? I hope you don't mind. She goes, <laughs> like, it's just like she puts out this little like mouthy squeak. Of excitement, and it's just, it's just perfect. It's fucking spot on. Hey, Diggs BTW. Biggs DTW says, hey, what's up, G? How's it going, bro? Thanks for oh, joining. what's going on? Yeah, thanks for yeah. joining. If you missed the show, go back, go um, check out the rest of it on uh, on Twitch. It'll be up for a week, yeah. and then yeah. we'll, we'll put it out as an audio podcast gang line assembly. Cool. And oh, uh, look forward to more if you're interested in more comic adaptations of movies that's what we're going to be doing on movies as comics yeah. get on get on board and we're that's, so you that's said it, i think what, what, what's up you said bag and board it yeah bag and board it for sure and i guess that has a lot to do with just the fact that i fucking love the movie so much 
we ought to do an episode where we don't like the movie because I think we're picking. <laughs> I don't think cherry picking. <laughs> or, or yeah, we got to do one where we either don't like the movie or neither of us have ever seen it before. Moon Trap. <laughs> Good call, I dude. Have so. I have it right here next to me. Yeah, yeah. I just, okay. It's weird. I was going through Facebook and I think it heard us talking about Moon Trap, and you know how. Facebook Uh-oh. also show you things. Yeah. And they brought up a post about that adaptation from um, the Caliber Comics. Caliber. Yeah. Weird. Weird that it would yeah. do that. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that was Little Shop of Horrors. Any closing thoughts? Well, we had our closing thoughts. It's about it. It's about yeah. it for us this time, you guys. Till next time, read your movies. Read, read, your, <laughs> read your movies. It's a good one to put that on we your have, shirt. Movies is have, comics. Yeah. Read your movies. Read your movies. <laughs> Read your movies. Find your joy. Be happy. We're out. Yeah.